It's our preseason mega injury update episode, an entire show devoted to Ruvain's injury report and all of the fantasy discussion surrounding it. Our final draft season episode of Beat the Shift is next. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangraphs. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always is Ruvain Guy. How are you, Ruvain? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Pretty good. We're in the middle of draft season. I am done with all but two of my drafts. I got uh, the NFBC uh, auction league with you, Ruvain, and uh, the next day, uh, home league. Uh, that I do with you as well. Uh, what about you? Any any other uh, drafts that you're doing this uh, this uh, season? No, I think that's it. I think most of our drafts were either planned before the whole lockout happened and they're done already, or they're pushed back to this week. So I think after t- after Saturday night, I think we're basically done. Yeah, I just had the uh, GDD auction last night. Uh, sort of a home league feel, but I'd say about two thirds, three quarters of it are. A bunch of experts from the industry. Usually, it takes place at Tout Wars weekends. Everyone gets together live. There, we didn't do it live at Tout Wars this week, so we did it online yesterday. But a uh, lot of a lot of fun there. All right, tonight, no guest tonight. We have our preseason injury episode where we go through a whole mess of players that you might be interested in hearing about their injury injury update status maybe what to do with them in fantasy. So some good information. And, of course, we have the right guy here in Ruvain. Sounds good, Ruvain? Sounds good to me. All right, so I'll let you lead this one with a bunch of players, and we'll uh, interject thoughts in between as you go. So tee it off. Excellent. So finally I'm able to talk about injured players because it's been a whole long time because of the lockout. Um, And finally there was a whole waterfall, a whole deluge of injury updates. So I guess we should get started. Right at the top, I'm going to talk about the hitters first. And obviously, we have to talk about Ronald Acuna to start with. The GM of the Braves, Alex Anthopoulos, said that Acuna will likely be ready to make his season debut in late April as a DH before being able to start in the outfield in early May. And that's a big deal. The only thing is, I'm curious how they're going to play it because he's he's an always aggressive player, He and he doesn't usually steal to the, for the second half. So I don't know if they're going to tell him not to run as much in April uh, until he's able to play the outfield. So it's really a good question for everybody how he's going to handle this. Yeah, that's a big question. And the question is, when will he return to be stealing? And I've said before on the show that we've seen him in the past, the bulk of his steals, like we're talking about two-thirds of his steals, usually come in the last half of the season. So if that's the the case this year, then you might not be hampered all that much for his total season production because he's going to come back and probably steal a month or two into the season. Uh, what's your take on that? And the other question is, in leagues that have an IL versus leagues that don't have an IL or a very shallow bench, what would be the difference in where you should be drafting him? He's a top first, second rounder, but how far do you push him up in the first round, or how far do you fall him back in the second round, assuming there's some IL issues that you have on your roster. If he's if you have an IL on your if you have an availability for an IL for your team, 
he should be taken probably in the top 10. I don't see why not. He, you'll get the replacement value for the first couple of weeks. And then after that, you'll have a 85 to 90% Acuna for the first two, three weeks. And then suddenly he's going to be the full Acuna. Um, with Fernando Tatis not there anymore, not at the top there, and people want that combo of power and speed, you will get it in Acuna. You just may have to wait a little bit, and that and the replacement value you're going to get for him for the first couple of we- first couple of weeks possibly is definitely worth drafting him at that spot. If you don't have a spot on your IL, he's still worth getting because he still could have first round value come the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's just a couple of spots that you're pushing back if you're dealing with, I think like an ESPN standard league where there's just three bench spots, no IL, or, or like the NFBC where there's seven bench spots. The, he's going to get to action in the first couple of weeks, so we're talking about pushing a, a couple spots here. I don't think there's an overall effect to have, and you're right, because Tatis is not there, the uniqueness of his profile plays even more, so that uh, does make him more valuable. All right, who you got next? Well, I'm not, I wasn't planning on mentioning him, but because Tatis was brought up, Tatis did have wrist surgery for a fracture. He's going to be out for three months, Three months is a telltale sign, and hopefully we'll see how his power is. His speed should still be there, but it's a matter of him getting his power back. Um, next player I'm going to bring up is an interesting player to bring up, and that's Evan White. He, White was diagnosed with a sports hernia and will undergo surgery as soon as possible. Recovery time is about one to two months for this type of procedure. Now, why am I mentioning him? I'm mentioning him because Ty France should get some more starts at first base, and it was seen that Jesse Winker started taking grounders at first base, which is very interesting because the Mariners have a very crowded outfield, and if Jesse Winker can even play a little first base and free up some other prospect, like if Julio Rodriguez actually breaks with the team, that's a huge plus for, for all Julio Rodriguez owners as well as Jesse Winker owners because Jesse Winker may gain eligibility at first base. Yeah, that that is interesting. Um, you know, also as far as Julio Rodriguez, what what is his chances of breaking camp with uh, the big club? Well, he is hitting pretty well in spring training, so there is a good chance. Um, it, it seems like the Mariners are all in for this year because they made a couple of trades to go all in for this year. So it's very possible that he will break camp with the team. It's very possible. Back to Tatis for a second. Um, in the main event and in the last week in the FBC, he's going at pick roughly 80, let's say. Um, are, is that a spot that you're comfortable taking him and stashing? In, in the NFBC, there's no IL. It's seven bench spots. And pick 80 is, you know, top six rounds-ish. Uh, is that a, are you comfortable taking him in that spot? I, to me, that, that's a, it's a, it's a it's a little bit of a waste to wait for a guy. And you're not sure he's going to come back and be Tatis exactly when he comes back either. Plus, he's got that shoulder issue lingering. What's your take on, on the ADP that we've seen the last week? Yeah, I think that's way too high. I don't think his value is going to be there. It takes a while for, for players to come back from a wrist surgery to get their power back. Sometimes they don't get them back, get it back all season. Now, Tatis is a unicorn. He's a little bit different. So you, he may get his power back sooner. You're going to get the stolen bases out of him. He can play DH to, you know, to help with his shoulder issues so it doesn't crop up that much. But the problem is you want him for his power. You want him for his at-bats. You want him for all those the counting stats. That's what you need him for. If you're not guaranteed that, which you're not, because the wrist is connected to the elbow, which is connected to the shoulder. If he has a problem with the wrist, he may end up having an issue with the shoulder. And they're saying three months, but there could be setbacks. So you're looking at what? You're looking at maybe an, an, uh, an all-star break type of return, that type of thing. I don't know. I you're you're paying for maybe two and a half months for Tatis that high. I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, and if you do have an IL, what would be the 
the the what? How many rounds would you be more comfortable taking him? Because you have IL on, on let's say, the unlimited IL. Like let let's say you're comfortable taking him in the thirteenth round right now with with no IL. But in, if you had an IL, what would that push him up for you? Three rounds to the tenth? Would that be appropriate? Maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm still I'm still nervous about him, even with the shoulder. So until he has shoulder surgery, I I I'm, I'm nervous about taking him in general. If before he was before we knew he was injured and he was available at number one or two and I was picking, I probably would not have taken him at one or two, even with his shoulder right, injury. And you right. add on this wrist injury, I'm just I'm very I'm not on Tatis for this year. Not at least until he decides to get the surgery. Now people have asked me, especially you, why doesn't he go for the shoulder surgery now that he had the wrist yeah. surgery? It's recovering from two separate surgeries. The surgery for the shoulder actually has a longer recovery time. You're looking close to maybe four, even five months. So it's basically missing the whole season. Now, if the Padres don't do that well and he has some setbacks, it's possible that he may decide to do the surgery and you may not get any value out of him whatsoever. So I'm a little nervous about that. Interesting. The only thing I would say, though, is that uh, maybe it's a two-round push for IL. But if your format in your league has playoffs, if you're in a head-to-head format that has playoffs, then I can see you pushing him up. Because if if everything's good and he recovers in the last month of the season, then you're talking about an all-star for your playoffs. So I might actually go the extra round or two um, on top of that if you're in a playoff format. It's the only format I'd actually probably even consider touching him at all. Otherwise, I'm, I'm going to let anybody take him at almost any price. Is that fair? But if you're drafting him in the spot where he is now, there's too many ifs. For me to be able to draft him at that point. True. Okay. So the next player we're going to talk about is Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt is participating in full baseball workouts. Gabe Kapler actually said today that he is currently on track to be ready for opening day. He is dealing with some knee inflammation. He dealt with the same issue last year. He was able to play through it pretty well, so I'm not overly concerned about him. Adley Rushman has a triceps injury. He just be he's able to do some receiving work behind the plate, but he hasn't tested his arm with throwing or hitting. Um, it's been said that he's going to start at triple eight to start the season. So if you drafted him as you're either number one or number two catcher, I don't know if you want to hold on to him that much or maybe even, you know, drop him at this point because you can probably get anyone on the waiver wire. If you're really a, a big Adley Rush, Rushman fan, then by all means keep him. But if he's starting the season in the minors and he's starting with an injury, I'm a little bit nervous about having him on, on your roster, especially when you can have his backup or anyone else. All right, so so a couple questions. First of all, back to Belt for a second. Uh, Brandon Belt, he's a guy that is oft injured. ATC is projecting him for 500 at-bats, which, by the way, is lower than most other projection systems on Fangraphs. He's age 34 now. Is 500 at-bats, in your mind, a good projection for him, or would you bet on the under for that, for Belt? I would actually bet on the over because uh-huh. there's a DH in the NL. True, now. true. Last year true. and in prior years, he's been only been able to play at first base, but we don't know how he would react being a DH. If he can be, if they can throw someone else to first base, and then they do so many different platoons there in San Francisco, he can play on. The, he can he can stay on the bench as long as he doesn't have any of these chronic injuries that he seems to have every single year. Now he had a career year or close close to a career year last year. And there's nobody behind them, so they're going to want him to be on the field. So if he's ready for opening day, he may be the opening day DH, but he may not be the opening day first baseman. All right, so there are a lot of players on the Giants that are platoon. The, the, the Giants do this thing where they platoon almost ed, ed, everybody. They've got a ton of lefties, a ton of righties. Both are good, have platoon spits. They, they don't care. 
Uh, but I think Belt is probably one of the only exceptions. Maybe Brandon Crawford because he's like the everyday shortstop. But other than that, he's one of the only guys that he's going to play day in, day out. And I think you're right with the DH. He might approach it. If that's the case, Belt is probably uh, a, a, an undervalued player because his bat is is fantastic for when he plays. It's just playing time that is the problem. Um, on to Adley Rutschman, though. The question for you is, um, you know, catchers in general, especially rookie catchers, are tough, tough guys. In a one-catcher league, I think that unless you have an IL spot, you know, $1 for him, put him on your bench, take the next guy, you know, one-catcher league, no problem. In a two-catcher league, uh, are you grabbing him? I, I kind of think he's way, way overvalued here uh, If if in any two-catcher league, right? Because you'd have to spend more than 2 3 $4 to get this guy, right? Yeah, I'm I'm not high on many catcher rookies. The one exception may be Keeper Ruiz because he's been healthy and he's a production from the Dodgers um, organization, and they've always come up with some pretty good catchers like Will Smith, like in the past, Mike Piazza and that stuff like that. So they're known for getting good catchers. But Baltimore's not really known for catchers. Their last major catcher, I think, was um, Chris Weeters, and Weeders, they hyped him up like— Matt Weeders, I'm sorry, Matt Weeders. And they, they hyped him up like crazy, and he never turned out to that much. So, listen, Adley Russian was a number one overall pick. He's hurt now. They're not going anywhere right now. Baltimore has all the reason in the world to keep him in the minors for more seasoning, which doesn't make any sense because he's MLB ready right now. Um, there's no reason, in a, and especially in a one-catcher league, there's no reason to have him. Okay. So now we'll move on to the next player. We're going to talk about Adubal Herrera. Odubo Herrera was is set to miss opening day because he was diagnosed with a mild oblique strain. He can miss four to six weeks. Now, initially, when I wrote this up, the two possible subs for him were going to be Matt Vierling and Adam Hazley. But Adam Hazley was actually traded to the White Sox today because Andrew Vaughn was diagnosed with a hip pointer injury that he got when he made it when he made a diving catch. He will progress as his symptoms resolve and is preliminary projected to return to game action in the next week or two. So he's not going to miss that much time, but I think the White Sox wanted a backup just in case. Interesting. All right. Because I, I was thinking, you know where Conforto would be interesting to uh, sign? Maybe the White Sox. But looks like they're going the cheap route on, on that for now, right? Would you agree? I agree because I think it's only going to be a short-term uh, issue. And... They actually, I, I saw some rumors of Jose Abreu playing in the outfield. I think those weren't <laughs> no. true um, because, <laughs> yeah, no, he's not going to do that. Um, Luis Arias. Luis Arias um, injured his left quad running the bases earlier this spring. He's going to start the season on the IL. He actually ran this past Saturday and ex is expected to resume swinging and playing catch soon. So the guy who's going to be filling in for him, I think, is going to be Jace Peterson. He seems to be filling in every year for every team. Um, he's decent if you know if you if you really need someone to fill in a lot of positions. Jace Peterson actually qualifies at a bunch of different positions. Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor has been ramping up slowly after having right elbow surgery in November. The Dodgers don't seem overly concerned about with his issue. Dave Roberts actually called it minor, and he has been playing so far in the spring, so I'm not too worried about him. So you can continue taking him wherever he's going in drafts. Kevin Biggio. 
Kevin Biggio is making his way back from a sprained left elbow, which was diagnosed as a grade one sprain of his left UCL last year, and hopefully he'll return to game action soon. Biggio has also dealt with neck and back injuries last year, so I think you can only you should only really consider Biggio in really deep leagues. Um, plus, he under he underperformed, so you know maybe his backup Santiago Espinal I think has a better chance of getting more playing time than Kevin Biggio. It's very possible. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Biggio is the lefty, and so he would be the strong side platoon for you know them going es- Espinal. They traded for Matt Chapman at third. They have Bichette at short. Uh, so you're basically the two are fighting. For, they're, they're basically they're in a platoon, I would think, for for that spot. Um, I would say they're gonna try to give Biggio as much as they can. And by the way, I think he's gonna bat probably like around eighth, maybe ninth. He's gonna be in a spot where he might steal. And on a fantasy basis, you know, his big appeal is that he has a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, and he's actually a pretty good base stealer in general. And he does walk a ton, so he does get on base to steal somewhat, although <laughs> not by hits. Uh, he can't hit fastballs. But uh, Biggio might be interesting for steals. If you're low on steals in a deep league, you know, the guy who could qualify at, at the middle there, and I, you think Espinal's going to get more at-bats? I think it's going to be, you know, Two to one in favor of Biggio, I think. Well, I'm not 100 percent certain about that because Biggio did deal with a neck and a back issue last year, and if you want him to steal, players who have neck and back issue, issues usually don't steal that much. So I'd be a little bit concerned. I mean, if you see him running fully and he has no issues running, and and the Blue Jays actually tell him to run, and he's playing, at, let's say three out of five days or four or five out of seven days, then he's worth it. But uh, you know, he didn't really perform well this last year, and they were actually considering of trying to trade for Jose Ramirez. There were rumors about that because Biggio is just not what they expected. Interesting. Uh, Greg Bird, non-roster invitee to training camp. I saw him at a homer the other day. You think, I mean, he's not obviously going to take over the first base spot from Vlad, but occasional DHing, uh, being a lefty, is that something that you, you can see Greg Bird doing? No. Not at all. I Greg Bird, Greg Bird has so many has a history of injuries. I just would stay away from. It. There's so many other first like deep first base options in him. Because you have Alejandro Kirk, uh, the backup catcher, who is a pretty good bat. So I can see like a DH platoon of Kirk and Bird working out. No. Yes, but I mean, Bird is he when he was in was with the Yankees many years ago. He was also known as a good defensive first baseman, which is interesting in in of itself because he's playing for a team that could use a good defensive possible replacement or moving, you know, having Vlad DH if they really need to. But when he was in Colorado, he didn't perform. He didn't he he couldn't make it in Colorado, and if he can't make it in Colorado, he's going to make it with Blue Jays. I don't know. I'm it's not a long shot on Greg Bird. Yes. Long shot here. We usually don't talk about long shots, but there you go. All right. Yes. It, Carry on. Next. Car- uh, Carter Keboom has, is expected to miss four to six weeks. He's recovered from a flexor mass strain in his right elbow. He is not having surgery. He's going through the rest and rehab uh, solution to go through that. The player to think about is Michael Franco because he always seems to end up on a starting lineup somewhere. He could be the starting third baseman for the Nats to start the season. You you always liked Franco, but he's really never panned out. I mean, anywhere, right? Well, he hasn't. But a couple years ago, when when it was with the when it was with the I think it was the Orioles, he actually had a bunch of home runs, and he actually was a good fill in if you needed someone to fill in. And third base is very shallow this year, so so if you really need someone, I guess you can throw him in at third. Yeah, I mean Carter Keeboom to me is is a bust. I, I I've never seen anything that I really liked out of him. So 
to that extent, you know, Franco, if Franco is doing well to start the season, I can see him getting some extended time because I just don't have a big uh, faith that, that Keeboom is really the guy. And, you know, he's really below average. Well, I'm going to throw out another third baseman there because the Giants say said that Evan Longoria is un- going to undergo surgery to repair a ligament in his right index finger. His prognosis will be determined following the surgery, but the expectation is that his finger is going to be immobilized for 10 days. So he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. So you want to fill in for third base? Wilmer Flores. He's going to be the starting third baseman for the wow. Giants this year. Wow, that's interesting. And uh, he's a good, you know, he's he's gotten to be a good batting average hitter, Wilmer Flores, over the years. Yes, he has, and he's also eligible in a lot of leagues at first, second, and third. So he's eligible all over the place. So if you want to fill out your roster and you need someone, a guy who's who's eligible in a bunch of different positions and is going to get playing time to start the season, Wilmer Flores is your guy. Yeah, that that could be somebody that if you're in a deep league uh, as one of your you know bench picks just to get through the first couple of weeks, or if you do roster Longoria, you know immediately get him on your team as the fill in until you uh, until Longoria is ready. And I actually did draft him in my TGFBI league a couple weeks ago, knowing that the Giants are old, and he's going to play somewhere because Evan Longoria and right. Bre- and Brendan Belt always get hurt. So having him on your team, he's going to get some playing time. And now we're going to stay with the Giants. Lamonte Wade Jr. had an MRI that revealed inflammation and a bone bruise in his leg. He's going to be reevaluated in 10 days, which means he will not be in the starting lineup. So talking about platoons, another platoon will, will be in place with Steven Duggar, and Austin Slater, they should fill another uh, another platoon slot for San Francisco. They have just so many guys who do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not into taking those Giants because, I mean, maybe if they have a good schedule, maybe if they're in Colorado for a week here and there. But in general, uh, it, it's it's hard to start somebody where you don't know if they're playing every day. In a daily league, all these Giants are worth a lot more, of course. But in your regular weekly format, uh, just I just can't see it. And we're going to talk about three more deeper hitters. Nick Ahmed is still battering sh- some shoulder discomfort in his right shoulder. It's the same shoulder that caused him to miss the final two weeks of last season. He had a PRP injection and a cortisone injection since then. He had a recent MRI, meaning like within the last week. And it's and the quote was kind of inconclusive from the standpoint that there's not a huge tear or anything soft tissue-wise. So they're going to con- try to con- try to continue to rehab, and he will be the starting shortstop, hopefully, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Would, would they have deeper, a Josh Rojas, uh, Josh Rojas fill in at short? They they do. He's going to fill in all over the place wherever they need him because he, yeah. he, I think he's outfield eligible. He plays second. He plays short. So he, so Josh Rojas will start the season, and Nick Ahmed will eventually take his spot because he's been there forever. Um, next, we got Yermin Mercedes. The guy who came up last year and with a whirlwind hit all those home runs and got on the bad side of Tony Larusa. He actually fractured his handmate in his left hand and will undergo surgery. And he actually is supposed to have surgery this week. Recovery time is six to eight weeks. This is just to know because some people were taking a, a dart on him later in drafts. So just just something to know about. And lastly, Dom Smith. He actually told the news. Uh, he told a couple of news outlets that he played last year with a partial torn labrum in his right shoulder he's already hitting better this spring he's moving better this spring and he actually said if you look at the way he swings last year he swung with two hands on the bat with the follow through this year he's back to his one hand follow through because he feels better that is good what are the Mets doing uh, in position wise uh, us being Mets fans is Robinson Cano first of all the starting second baseman or is he just going to DH and have McNeil play 
I think that for show, he may, <laughs> literally for show, he's going to be the starting first baseman, but wow, I think okay. he's going to be more of a DH. No, I'm being serious. For opening day, they may have him starting second base, and then from then on, they probably have Jeff McNeil uh, starting at second. They said they're going to move J.D. Davis all over the place. He's going to play third. He's going to platoon in, in the outfield. And they actually said Starling Marte, who's recovering from an oblique issue as well, that he's going to be the starting right fielder, not center fielder, right fielder. Right. So, so what are they doing with Dom Smith? So, you know, if Cano is going to DH, well, Smith is the lefty, so you're not going to platoon with Cano there. And I mean, where's going to play the outfield? You got Canna, Nimmo, and you got Marte. I don't know if Dom Smith is really going to replace them. So, is is his at bats going to be numbered? Like, I'm trying to see what the playing time path is. I guess just wait for uh, McNeil or Cano to get injured, and now you got the DH role. Is that the idea? Well, he can DH. You can. He's also the backup at first base for Pete Alonso. Sure. Um, he can play. He can play the outfield. If anything, he would play left field, and they move around people toward the end of the game, and possibly move Marte back to second to center field, and just move people around just so they have a better fielding outfield. Or they want to go hitters. It, de- it can depend on if they want to do the righty lefty, and they want to have Dom Smith in there against against uh, you know the certain pitchers. It, it's it's completely up to them. He's going to get his at bats. He wasn't traded, which is interesting. But he's going to, as long as he hits, he's going to get his at bats. Yeah, and plus he got JD Davis there, the right side of a of a possible platoon at DH. So they they have a nice, actually deep roster. If you have JD Davis and Dominic Smith not projected to be as starters, so that's uh, good for our Mets, I guess. Yeah, I guess, but not great for fantasy because you don't know who's going to get the playing time at right, this point. Right. Okay. Now we're going to jump to the starting pitchers here. Starting pitchers, we're going to start with Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler actually, over the this past weekend, pitched a simulated inning. This was a good step forward. The test is going to be how he's going to feel afterwards. Wheeler said after that he hasn't felt a trace of soreness in his right shoulder and hopes to be ready to start the season on time. What does on time mean? What does on time mean? It could mean one of the first five starting spots in the rotation. doesn't necessarily mean opening day, but he can probably start either in the first series or in the second series if all goes well. And probably he'll be on a very small pitch count for that first start if he does, obviously. Um, yeah, Wheeler, no, four, Wheeler has, yeah, did he he led the league in, in innings last year, right, Wheeler? He did. He led the lead, league in innings. So having yeah. him slow, start slow is actually not necessarily a bad thing, and the Phillies probably would like that. So Yeah. Now, you know, with the news a couple weeks ago that Wheeler Wheeler's price has dropped, um, and I was of the contention of, not so much stay away from Wheeler, but more of, you know, this could be a buying opportunity. His price has gone up a smidge since, but not all the way back to where it was. Do you now think that Wheeler is now uh, a good buy, uh, a buying opportunity, because his price is still slightly depressed, being the fact that he may not start opening day? Yes, and especially since DeGrom's price went through the roof after his couple of recent you know, spring outings. That Zach Wheeler is probably going to be a little is this exactly what's going on? He's going to be underrated. So if he doesn't pitch two hundred innings, if he pitches one hundred and seventy innings or one hundred eighty innings, he could still be a second or third round pitcher, so, or even a first round pitcher. So you know, I, I'm I would definitely buy him at his price where he is right now. Yeah, the Grum up to number ten on the ADP over the last week in uh, NFBC, and he's going. <laughs> I mean, he's going close to forty dollars now in these auctions. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, I mean, we we got uh, Degrom at, in at mixed labor for twenty two dollars, like the week before his start. As soon as he throws one pitch, okay, he's he's back. It, it's amazing the amount of discounts you can get uh, just because of injury. And here's the other thing I've noticed this this whole draft season: free agents. 
And this is true every year that free agents have always price are depressed when they're not on a team. And as soon as they sign, it doesn't matter where their price goes up. I feel like it's gone up more than usual this year. And maybe that's because of the lockout that, you know, people have been drafting for months and months with the uncertainty and it's hard for them to separate that again. But, um, the, I feel like the free agency discounts have, uh, have been heavy and the springboard afterward has been large. Have you found that to be true in, in your drafts? hundred percent and it's also going to be interesting to see how this first a lot of people doing fab for this weekend it's going to be very interesting how much money people are going to spend on fab before the season even season even starts just because all this news is coming at us so quickly and we're finding out who's winning spots and and, and a lot of drafts have been done already so yeah. fab is going to be running and it's and people are going to be spending so much money prior to the season it's going to be crazy. so the uh the uh only big free agent of course is michael conforto really um, guess I, I bought him last night. I was uh, me and Derek Cardi shared the team in GDD. Guess how much we bought Michael Conforto for last night in a 15-team mixed league with basically NFBC format. I'm probably going to say somewhere between eight and ten dollars. <laughs> one dollar. We bought one him dollar. for one dollar. Can you? I mean, imagine if he signs to, tomorrow. What his ADP would be? It would be definitely over eleven dollars. Uh, that's a Tremendous steal there, but that just shows you that that you know, even in an ex, uh, you know mostly expert league, the the free agent discount is enormous, and it's artificial. By the way, it is totally artificial. It's not even baked into the numbers. It's just people's perception of well, I don't know, is he going to sign? Michael Conforto is going to sign on a team, uh, and even if he signs in July, by the way, and plays half a season, he's worth more than a dollar. Uh, so the. The the uh, depression is just enormous. Just uh, that's something I've observed this draft season much more than in mostly years. Well, what will be interesting is that people who drafted Conforto are they going to hold on to him or are they going to drop him the first week of the season and get someone who's actually playing? I guess it depends on the price you paid him for. But all right, yeah. anyways. Okay, onward. Oh, by the way, and also in the in the labor league, we also have Zach Wheeler. So we have Wheeler. I have Wheeler and GDD also. I have him in like in in almost all my leagues this year. It's just. Uh, not because not I love, love, love him, but it's the innings. When when you have a guy who throws a lot of innings, I think he's pretty dependable. And innings matter in fantasy these days. And he's been getting a depressed price, so I'm taking advantage of it. If you, know, if you guys don't want to pay that price, and I think starters are going for a large amount, I'll, I'll take the extra 2 $3 depressed price. It's worth a lot right now. And speaking of decreased innings, the next two pitchers will have decreased innings. First one is Steven Strasburg. He's still return or recovering from thoracic outlet surgery. He may not make his season debut until sometime in May. He is he is slowly getting better. He is getting his pitch count up, but he's just taking his time. He said normally spring training is six weeks. He's going to take his full six weeks to get better. So look for him probably the middle of May. And the second guy who I wanted to mention was Chris Sale. The Red Sox do not have a timetable for when he's going to start to resume throwing yet. He suffered a stress fracture on the right side of his rib cage. So someone who may get more innings and someone who may get a chance to get some wins for the Red Sox is 40-something-year-old Rich Hill. He will probably be one of the people filling in for the Red Sox in their starting rotation, and you can get him for nothing right now, and you can and he can get you some nice quality starts every once in a while and an occasional win as well. Can't say I've seen Rich Hill drafted anywhere, and even in deep leagues, unless you're in like a mono league. But yeah, the, the interesting point about Hill, um, he, he somehow gets it done with that low whip. Uh, so Chris Sale, uh, let's go to talk about Sale and Strasburg. 
Uh, sale. So are we talking like a two month off, three month off? Like, what's your best estimate to where we see you know full strength sale, or do or are we not going to see him? This is almost the same. We don't know which rib it is because I haven't been able to find out which rib it actually is. But remember, Aaron Judge had also a injury to his rib, and when he when he when he dove and tried to make a catch, and he missed a big chunk of time. He can he can miss two three months. You may not even see him until the All Star break if it's really bad, because it all depends on how he heals. If he gets back to pitching and throwing too soon, then he can re-injure it, and it can go back to right where st- st- step one. So it, it's a matter of making sure that he just rest and he doesn't push himself too quickly sounds like that's coming... a hard pass for you right i yeah i i didn't like chris Sale so much anyway this year because he was coming back from he pitched a good number of innings last year after tommy john and i was a little nervous about that so i, I actually don't have many of my teams this year i was thinking about it because his price wasn't that hot wasn't that too terrible wasn't too terrible to start the season in the drafting season but at this point he's just a very hard pass and it's steven strasburg it's 150 right now, so you still have to pay uh, something. Yeah, and and I, I want someone who's going to play, not who's going to miss at least two months. Because yes, you can get you can get the replacement value, but not you know not that high up. You can get someone else more productive at that point. Strasburg, Strasburg though is going after 300. I mean, if, that seems like a very decent upside dart for a 300 plus pick, right? Yeah, I'd rather have Steven Strasburg on my roster than let's say a Chris Archer, who was actually just signed recently. Um, so, you know, I, I know you love Chris Archer, so I just had to bring that up. <laughs> I do not um, love Chris Archer. <laughs> yes. Um, Brent Honeywell, who was a top prospect for the Tampa, Ra- Tampa Rays, and he's on the A's now, was shut down indefinitely due to another elbow issue. He was finally feeling healthy and was trying to get a spot in the A's rotation, but that's not going to happen. Um, Adam Oler or Paul Blackburn are two names to think about because those are guys who may snag a starting spot for the A's in their rotation. Another guy I want to mention is Luis Patino. He is suffering some shoulder soreness. He is scheduled to throw a bullpen session this week. Um, there's no reason to think that even if he's not 100% built up, the Rays are not going to use him because he can still pitch two, three innings, and that's what the Rays do, so it shouldn't be that much of an issue. He'll probably build up during the course of the season. So you can keep drafting. I'm not too worried about it. It may just be shoulder soreness from just the offseason and everything like that. Is it worth drafting people... these these uh, these uh, Tampa Bay starters uh... Uh, who you know, you know, they're just gonna go a couple of innings. Like, is he gonna fall into the bulk starter type um, pitcher? That's not worth it. I, I think he's he was groomed more to be a uh, a six inning, seven inning type starter. He was okay. a top prospect with the Padres, so I think you know eventually he'll get to that point. But him and along with Shane Boz, Shane Boz, he had surgery to remove loose bodies in his right elbow. Um, he should be returning in one to two weeks. Uh, manager Kevin Cash actually said that Boz's elbow locked up on him at home one night after a bullpen session, and the MRI showed the loose bodies, and he just had the surgery to clear it out. So both of those guys, I mean, Shane Boz was being drafted a lot higher than Patino was, and Shane Boz still can have the potential to be a very productive fantasy pitcher this year. But you may not see him probably till either the end of April, or even the beginning of May, because I mean, we we bought a uh, we bought Shane Boz in one of our home leagues earlier this week for three bucks, and that's got a nice little chunky IL. So three bucks, sure, and put him on the IL, and there you go. And uh, but actually, I, I should I should caveat it: most auction leagues you only auction off the active roster the reserves are then done separately in a snake so you must fill out your active roster you get your nine pitchers and you're done in this particular league the bench spots are all uh factored into it and are all auctioned off as well as part of everything so 
uh, what we do is the six bench spots. You get a dollar allocated to it. So instead of starting with two sixty, we start with two sixty six. So in that scenario, it's actually even better that you can auction them off. It's just a little bit more of an expensive reserve. Uh, you know, you don't. It's not like he's taking off your ninth pitcher. He's taking off your eleventh uh, pitcher, but you're just allocating an extra buck or two to it. You know what I mean? So basically, you have to know your league rules and know yeah, how to manipulate yeah. your roster in order to get the most value throughout the course of the season. Don't just think short-term. You have to think long-term when it comes to the season. Next two pitchers, both on the Reds. Luis Castillo has been slowed by shoulder soreness this spring and will start the season on the IL. They said he's going to come back quote, sometime in April, along with Mike Miner. He's also going to start the season on the IL. He ended last year on the IL with shoulder impingement. They said he's also going to come back, quote, unquote, sometime in April. So two names to look out for, the flamethrower Hunter Green, as well as Nick Lodolo. Both of them could make the opening season rotation for the Reds. So look for them because Lodolo is is, is is a very deep pick, and Hunter Green has been a prospect for a while coming back from Tommy John surgery. He actually throws close to 99 or 100. So both of those guys are good options. So in a fantasy league, who, who in a, let's say, call it a 15-team mix, just to give you the depth, who is draftable from the red starters right now? Molly, for sure. Uh, I think if Castillo would be a stash. Minor, I mean, is he even worth drafting? Um, I don't think so. I mean, if you, if you were able to stomach him last year on the Rangers, <laughs> I think you can stomach him on the Reds. Um, but he's also, if you again, if you have an IL league, you can draft him, draft him and stash him if you want. If you want to have him, you know, to activate him for a spot start. But in that ballpark, nah. I'm not probably not. Nah, probably not. Just, dream, ra- just dream him. Just just I, pick, I'd, wait, waver. I'd rather have either Hunter Green or Nick Lodolo in that case. And what about San Martin? Any interest in him? No, not really. Not really. I actually saw him pitch last year. I think he pitched against the Mets. He just didn't look good. I'm I'm not really. Not 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 really high on those guys, but I am. If you can't high on pitch Hunter well Green against the Mets, Nick, then what can you do, right? Well, especially last year, and and <laughs> Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo actually look better, and they actually look both both uh, Hunter Green especially. He's got electric stuff, and yep. Nick Lodolo is a guy who's under the radar. You could probably get him. So that's the that, two that's first round guy. draft picks, by the way. Uh, Hunter Green, I believe, was uh, seven two thousand seventeen. He was uh, second overall, and Nick Lodolo was like top seven uh, two years ago. So yeah, yep. And next is James Caprillion from the A's. He's going through recovery from AC joint irritation, that's shoulder irritation. He won't be ready to pitch until before late April. So if he, he's also a deeper guy. People um, had him as a, as, a, as a waiver guy, so he can just continue to be a waiver guy. There's no reason to draft him at this point because he also has a history of injuries. Speaking of having a history of injuries, Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty will not be able to pitch for opening day after receiving a PRP injection to address a small tear in his right shoulder. He should start throwing at the end of this week and then hopefully ramp up after that. But with his history of injuries, you know, he was he's one of the one going as one of the top 15 pitchers, I guess, to start this draft season. I, I, I he's just he's injured all the time. I, I just he's another guy I just can never stomach. So he's going pick 200 now. Is that still too pricey, or is that low enough that that's worth putting? If if your team can handle it roster-wise, of course, is is that a fair price for him, or you're off that price I'm, totally? I, I'm, I don't want him on my team at all because they said he has a small tear in the right shoulder, which means 
that he had the PRP injection. It will help it. It'll help it heal a little bit, but that tear is not going to go away unless he has surgery. So he's going to try to probably pitch through it, and there's always that risk of it, the small tear becoming a large tear and requiring surgery. So I, I he's, he's a guy that, if you again, if you're going to pay a dollar for him and you can stash him, by all means, but if you're going to depend on him as your number three or number four, I'd rather look at someplace else. Yeah, okay. Next, Domingo Herman. This is a little bit deeper. He was diagnosed with right shoulder impingement, and he was placed on a 60-day IL. He won't be eligible until close to the end of May, beginning of June. Another guy who was placed on a 60-day IL for the Giants was Matt Boyd. He underwent flexor tendon surgery on his left elbow in September, and he should be ready for game. Should be ready for game action around June. So, same thing. If you want to stash someone, he's in San Francisco now. It's a very interesting pl- guy to be able to stash on your IL. Head-to-head points with playoffs. Matt Boyd, yes. good pick. Yes, he's, he's a big striker guy, and, and San Francisco does wonders with pitchers who have had control issues in the past. So he's, he's, he fits that perfectly. Zach Gallen, Arizona Diamondback, staying out west there. He's experiencing, he was experiencing shoulder soreness as well. He threw a two-sim inning last week. His next step is going to be a spring training game. He's not going to be ready for opening day, but he'll be ready soon after that. So if you want him and you think you can get a discount on him and you want him to be as your number four pitcher maybe or five, by all means, you can go after him. I don't see there's much issue with him. Next, Taiwan Walker. He underwent debridement surgery for his right knee on January 14th. He he was said to believe that he was only one to two weeks behind the other Mets starters. However... He is not ruling out opening day. He pitched this past Saturday, and he said he's currently lined up to be able to pitch five innings the first week of the season. So he may not miss any time whatsoever. All right. The Mets also have a very good uh, pitching staff. They have got Carrasco, Bassett, Scherzer, DeGrom. But there's another guy on the team that I like quite a bit is uh, uh, Magel. Yes. Uh, what's it? Not uh, Trevor Magel, right? Not uh, Tyler. Tyler. So, yes, sorry, Tyler, Tyler Magel. Tyler Magel, not Tyler Trevor Magel. His is that his brother? That's his brother. It's his twin brother. Yes, twin brother. Why do they name them the same name? All right, it's like it, Tyler it's Rogers no, and Trevor it's, Rogers. It's not that they named the same name. They had the in their first name. They both end in O R. The parents did that on purpose. <laughs> Trevor yes. and Tyler. That's how they. That's how they named them. And actually, uh, Tyler Magel. For the spring, his his velocity is close to is one of the highest in all spring training. So he's a very interesting guy to have on your roster. So Miguel was excellent against righties last year. He was not so good against lefties. We're talking about a guy that and he's they're adding another pitch that he's gonna throw against lefties. All you gotta do is fix and get like a nice strikeout pitch versus lefties, and he becomes really, really important starter. And, you know, don't think that any of these guys in the Mets are going to, oh, we're all going to be healthy all year long. Um, I can see Magel starting. I can also see the Mets going a six-man rotation, maybe less in the innings. Probably not, but maybe. Uh, you never know with Carrasco. Who knows? Um, I would not discount Magel, even though on roster resource they don't list him as making the uh, the Major League Baseball team. I kind of think Magel is a very interesting player, so be on be on the lookout. By the way, David Peterson on the Mets, the uh, the lefty who could start. I guess the plan is he's also going to be down. He's not going to make the team, right? He'll be down in AAA, stretched out. This way, he uh, he's a spot starter. Is that the deal? Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. And also, listen, they're going to be they're going to be playing a bunch of doubleheaders. All the teams are going to be playing doubleheaders. So to have that extra starter in their back pocket to be able to use, 
he will get he will get to pitch. Carrasco can, has not been able to see into say healthy last couple of years. Degrom, you know, he's great, but you know, when how long is going to be great for? So you never know with these guys. So he will get both him and David Peterson. They are both going to get their they're going to get their innings. How many innings are going to get? I'd say maybe for both of them, maybe. 100 innings, 120 innings total, total both of them. If I, if I had to guess if 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 everything goes the way the Mets want to, but otherwise they can they can pitch 150, 160 innings if they really need to. So who's the long man in Mets? Oh, is it Trevor Williams? That that must be it, right? They, they have Trevor Williams as as a long man, yes, and he did that last year and he was actually pretty decent when he came over okay. from I think it was from the Pirates. He actually did pretty decent last year as a long man, so that okay. seemed to have worked out. Now we're going to move on to the relievers. We're going to start in Cleveland. James Karinchek, he's likely to start the season on the IL. He was diagnosed with a right teres muscle strain and has been shut down from throwing. So, Emmanuel Classe is the closer, no questions asked. Dylan, Dylan Floro is dealing with arm soreness and is behind schedule. Anthony Bender and Anthony Bass are both possible people to actually be able to close. Anthony Bender has the second highest fastball velocity this spring at 98.6. Behind who? Who do you think has the highest fastball velocity this spring? I'm going to say Jacob DeGrom. No. Edwin Diaz, 98.9. Okay. He has the highest fastball velocity no this spring. Yeah. No shock either. Obviously, yes, that's no shock either. But Class, what is, you and, know, Class A is that? He, he must be up there too. I, I didn't I didn't see Class A, but I, I did notice Anthony Bender because when I was looking at Floro, Anthony Bender's name came up, and I saw yeah. that, and... Anthony Bender, he could have closed last year. They chose to go with Floro. Um, Anthony Bender could get a big bulk of saves to start the season, and if you want somebody to get saves early in the season for you, Anthony Bender is the way, probably the way to go. And you know, of course, if uh, the, if a guy takes it and is going well, you know, he he's going to run with it pretty much, right? So, uh, ATC in the situation, by the way, has uh, for the Marlins twelve for saves for Bender for the year. Floro 14 saves. I think the money is on Bender. Right now, they're both going very similar ADP. People are paying the handcuff situation. I think I would bid, bid on Bender. I think I'd, I'd really go for him, especially since he's going to be the starting guy, and that fastball velocity you just mentioned sounds very juicy. Yes, very much so. Another guy who is a possible save vulture for the Tampa Bay Rays here, another Florida team, was Pete Fairbanks, Peter Fairbanks, but he left a game in the spring already with right lat tightness, and he's expected to be shut down for throwing for the next six weeks and will be undergoing an MRI next week. Andrew Kittredge seems like almost a lock, as how much you can say a lock for saves for the Rays. Um, and also J.P. Fireisen is also an option for saves there in that bullpen, but again, it's the Rays, so it could be anybody, but it looks like Andrew Kittredge has more of a stapled spot there like Diego Castillo had a couple of years ago. Does that make his value undervalued, Kittredge? I know the Rays are the Rays, and everybody, including the ball boy and the guy in row row three, uh, section two, well, can also four. save the game. Seat four, yeah. Seat four, yeah. Can also, yeah. Right? Yeah, so yeah, it, it's it's true, but I mean, Kidridge got the bulk of the saves last year. He pitched very well. He, I think, believe he made the All Star team last year also. So he was having a very very good season. Just that the Rays, they you have a different way of utilizing their relief pitchers. Um, his numbers are are very good. They're very good. So there's no reason why Kidridge shouldn't be up there with. Listen, he's playing for a great. He's playing for a very good team. He's gonna get a lot of save opportunities. There's no reason why you want to have. We wouldn't want to have. Him. I mean, I probably want have him as opposed to let's say an Anthony Bender or a Dylan Floro, like we mentioned already. There's no reason not to. 
He's going pick 223 in the NFBC. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's going before Lou Trevino. Um, he's going after... I'm trying to see any any he's, closers. He's, a safe he's going closer. after Soto, after Gregory Soto. He's a safe closer right now. He's actually a safe closer. He has a job. There's, yeah. there's really is very little competition right now with him. So yeah, you, you get him after Bednar, Soto. It's it's, it's a. I think it's very decently priced. It, it's so interesting. It, interesting. So he, even so. even though it's the Rays, it's it's still he's a very valuable player. So is uh, by the way, Paul Seawold is very valuable also. That's that's true. Except I don't know if you saw this, but Jesse Winker was being interviewed while Paul Seawold was, was pitching, and and Jesse Winker said, "Oh, strike one, he threw a fastball, and here I guess he's gonna throw another fastball, and he did, and uh, and then that pitch was hit for a home run." So they said Jesse Winker is not going to announce games anymore for the uh, <laughs> for the Mariners. Um, but Paul Seawold has a ton of value. He has a ton of value, but you don't know how many saves he's gonna get. This right. Andrew Kittredge, he will probably get the bulk of the saves now for the Rays because they just don't have any real proven pitchers who can save games. So they may go with that. They we'll don't see. care, though. They're the Rays. They don't care. We'll see. We'll see. Another guy who's being drafted as a closer in most leagues early this draft season was Lucas Sims. Sims acknowledged, this is for the Reds, he acknowledged that he has had a couple of hiccups with his elbow and ba- and back while gearing up for spring training, and he could start the season on the IL, and it looks like he will start the season on the IL. So a nice sleeper who's been p- who pitched well last year is Art Warren. He may be the closer. You can get him for dirt cheap right now, so now's the time to get him. Yeah, that sounds like a very good dart. So I guess, you, I mean, Sims is still going for something. I guess maybe you pick up Sims and stash on the IL, pick up Warren, any. Sessa shares should you get, or you throw all your money on Warren? I'm throwing my money on Warren. Warren okay. has more of a pedigree, has a better fastball. Um, Sessa, Sessa may be more like a two-inning type of pitcher, that type of thing. The Reds stink, though, or uh, apologies to Reds fans, but they, they look like they're somewhat dismantling their team. You're not going to get that many saves. Is it even worth playing this? situation i guess it is for a dollar right why not for a dollar if he, if he is a high k rate there's no reason i mean who in hypothetically speaking if you had to pick between anthony bender art warren or david bednar which what order would you put them in bednar bender warren first of all i think they already announced that bednar is going to be the co-closer and to me if you're at least going to be the co-closer and your other closer mate is much worse than you in chris stratton you're the guy in Bednar. I picked up Bednar yesterday, and we didn't even back him up. I guess we should have backed him up with Stratton, but uh, I believe in Bednar, especially that they gave him that. So it's him. Bender, uh, for now, um, sounds really delicious. So uh, I'd say him, and I-, I would say Warren. And you don't even know, uh, and it's a bad team, so I'd say no. And w- w- would you, where would you rank Alex Colomay in that? Colomay sounds like he's the guy. Um, he's the Rockies, but like, where would you put that? I'd probably put them between Bender and and Warren. Yeah, probably between Bender and Warren, just because he's more of a proven commodity. And the and the Rockies, if they're not going to be going anywhere this year, they signed to a one year deal. They may want him to be closer to try to trade him someplace else. That's a possibility because he's because Colomay is also a good setup man. He set up last year for the White Sox, so that's a possibility. True, true. Yeah, uh, that it's always you know I I always see like these no name these teams that aren't going to be that good sign these closers and well why do they need that one they're good trade commodities commodities either way so they're all they're more valuable at the trade line deadline than you think uh and if you can get them signed cheap they're so worth it uh by the way where do you put in the washington situation i I know we're talking about closers here you got tanner rainey maybe finnegan they did just re-sign 
Tyler Clippard, ex-Met also. Um, I mean, my money, I think, is on Rainey, but I don't have a whole lot of confidence, and I think Washington is now in a really tough division. And other than Juan Soto, maybe Josh Bell, they don't have much. Uh, I think so, I think I'd I think I'd rather have Art Warren above any Washington closer. Yeah, I I'll agree with that. I'll so with that. so if 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 that's the case, then there's no reason to draft any Washington closer unless you're late in the season and you need saves and you're just taking you know spending nothing on them. But otherwise, don't waste I'll your agree. money on them. I'll so, agree. Okay. And last but not least, we're going to mention Alex Reyes because it's Alex Reyes and it's the injury report, so you have to mention him. He has a frayed labrum and will go at least two weeks without throwing. Do not expect Reyes to return to the Cardinals before late May, early June, based on his current timetable. He's already on the 60-day IL, so you're not going to see him at least until then. Which means Giovanni Gallegos will probably close by default because there's really nobody else there. Unless you count Jordan Hicks, who's there. Unless you count Genesis Cabrera, but he's a lefty. There's also Nick Whitgram there, which is interesting. So there are, a whole, there are a bunch of different possibilities if they want Gallegos to just pitch in the high leverage situations, but it looks like Gallegos will be the closer. Yeah, I'm getting more and more confident that he's the guy, and his price is somewhat decent in in the you know in leagues right now. Um, yeah, I, I, Reyes would have been the guy. If he was healthy, I'd say... Well, maybe he'll snag some saves or they'll split it or something. But with him out and Gallegos proving that he can do it, he's really he's really the guy. And this similar effect happened, I think, with Jordan Romano. Like everyone, well, are the, are the Toronto going to sign somebody? Yeah, Romano's good enough, but what are they going to do? He's the only guy there. I think Romano is currently one of the most safest closers in all of baseball. Do you agree? I I, I totally agree. And his and he has stuff to back it up. It's not just like it's not like the. Giants naming Jake McGee closer, which they did today. That's oh, it's, did it's they not, really? They named him closer today, which is you know great. But that's like the Rays naming um, Andrew Kittredge closer because they they just mix and match anyway, so it doesn't really matter that much. Although McGee will probably get the bulk of the saves, so his ADP is actually too low where it should be probably. But you know, we'll see. Well, they just announced it today, so it'll obviously shoot up this weekend. It, uh, if they it, did it will. It. It, it will. Um, but I, I, there's still people who I'd rather have instead of him because it, it is, it's still Jake McGee, and he's only done it really well for one season. Before that, he wasn't really that great. So, you know, it, it may just be a one-year wonder, and you have to be a little nervous about that. The whole draft season, the whole giant situation was too expensive. Camilo Duval, I thought, was – I'm not spending $9 in an auction for him, which you had to. Um, but th- that seems like a, sort of a bust. Um, quick question, because uh, you know we're talking about managers saying you're the closer, you're not the closer. Two other situations that recently have said we're not going with a full closer or the closer might not 100% is Blake Trinan that uh, Dodgers manager said, well, well, he'll probably get most of the share, but we're going to explore other options when we have to. And then you hear about Erodus Chapman, of all people, that – yeah, he might get some eighth inning chances too. What do you make of those both situations? Obviously, you're going to be drafting them as the top closers, but are you now going to be discounting them a few dollars or a few rounds because of uh, the notion that they may not save all the games? No, I'm I'm not concerned about either of them that much. I mean, um, Dave Roberts is a, is a prototypical uh, manager where he wants one closer, and he's been doing that for years with Kenley Jansen. So I think Blake Trinan will be there. The thing is, they don't probably don't want to put too much stress on him so early in the season. So in the very beginning, you may not get that many saves out of him, but he pro, he will end up with the most saves on the Dodgers, I believe. You have Daniel Hudson there who can get some saves also. 
Um, I I guess um, if you want to throw a dart, you can get Daniel Hudson. He's I don't think he's going anywhere in drafts right now, so that's an interesting option. But Blake Trinan, I'm not overly concerned. And Aroldis Chapman, he could be a mental case, and I don't mean that in a bad <laughs> mean uh, situation. I mean that because he is very temperamental, just like a lot of closers are. And if he doesn't close, it may throw off his whole game. If he's coming in right. in eighth innings, I can't see Aaron Boone doing it that much, just because. You know, pitchers are creatures of habit, and if he's used to doing one thing and starts doing something else, going into pitching the eighth inning, and then coming out for coming back out for the ninth inning, he did he hasn't done that that well except in the playoffs. So I'm a little bit nervous about doing that. Although the Yankees bullpen, they have a lot of guys who can close. They have Chad Green, they have um, Jonathan Wisego who can pitch in high leverage situations. So the fact that he would do that, he may be a, he at one point in his career he may turn into a lefty specialist. You know, Luizic and Green, ATC is projecting for a handful of saves, but for for actual real value, we're talking 5 to $7 in a mixed 15-team league. So even if you, you know, if you want to throw a dart at, and, and you've heard me plenty of times on the podcast here saying, Chad Green is a good guy to have because why start a seventh starting pitcher? Start Chad Green. Same is true about Luizic this year. It's not a bad investment to put, and again, do not spend any amount of money. We're talking about a bench pick in a league, period. But get him on your roster, throw him in the first week instead of that seventh starter. You might end up with the Yankee. I'm not going to say the Yankee closer, but you might end up with some saves, and you're, you're going to get great ratios out of these guys. So these guys are valuable. And, um, the, and the fact that it's a short spring training, middle relievers, we usually say don't draft them. You can get them off the waiver wire. I think this year may, may be the exception to the rule because there are a lot of closer committees. So when you're drafting a middle reliever, you're drafting – you're getting a possible closer, but you're also drafting a guy who can give you some pretty good stats. And they have to, th- they have to think about that because Chad Green's going for very little. Paul Seawald, people are like, yeah, he may close, he may not. I mean, th- these these guys— Seawald's they, they going can... for a little bit. He's going for like two bucks. He's, he's going—he is going much more than the other, than Green and Luizga right now. Well, then then you should jump on Green and Luizga because every year they seem to uh, accumulate value, so— all right, I think I think that's it for now. Um, more injuries will be coming throughout, obviously throughout spring training, and probably um, a week and a half from now, when season starts, we're going to get a whole bunch of people added to the IL suddenly, and I'm going to keep everyone up to date as soon as they come out. All right, so this will be the last podcast uh, before the opening day. Actually, uh, opening day is I. It's, I'm so excited to say it. It's next week. Um, most of the final drafts of the season are going on this weekend. So this will be the last one before then. Hopefully, we've given you so much that you can listen to over the past couple of months. We did our position-by-position undervalued players, different strategies for waiver wire, for different league types, you name it. Uh, So, you know, the good thing about our show is you can listen back, and all the strategy sessions there are really meaningful for the entire year. It's not news-oriented, so obviously— this, the, the podcast we did before before the lockout was over, you know, a little bit different spin in terms of, hey, you know, what are you going to do about this guy? What are going to do with that guy? But the strategy that we employed are, are really the same. So uh, check them out. And uh, great job, Ruvain, of our coverage this, uh, this whole offseason. Congrats. Thank you. And you can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where, I'm gonna t- where I continue to tweet out all the stuff that's going on in the injury world next guy up and starting either this week or next week you're going to catch my weekly in-season roto baller article discussing all this stuff as well all right i'm ariel cohen you can follow me on twitter at atcny 
my stuff over at Fangraphs, over at Rotoballer. Uh, the ATC projections, everyone keeps asking me, when are they going to be updated? Uh, we will have a late-week up, uh, update, so we're talking either Thursday or Friday. Check out my Twitter feed. Also, check out the Twitter handle, ATC Projections, one word. That's where I post all the updates of when exactly everything should hit, what is included, if there's something important. The truth is that from the previous update to the one that's going to be this week, not that major. Like Most of the free agent signings happened the other week. A couple of stragglers came in, but it should be mostly good anyways. But the fresh update, if you are drafting this weekend, uh, Friday you'll be safe to pull it, maybe Thursday. Check it out there. Going to do one more update next week before opening day, and that will be the final one of the preseason. Uh, so there you go. It's been a very big roller coaster ATC projections dealing with the lockout, but uh, hope uh, able to help you guys in the season, in the preseason here, and with your drafts. Any final words to say, Ruvain? Great, great job on the injuries. Uh, a lot of great stuff. And of course, if you do have any questions, please feel free to sh- shoot at me or shoot at Ruvain. On Twitter, our DMs are open. Yes, and good luck to everyone who is still drafting. I know the NFBC drafted in Vegas this past weekend, and we're gonna we are gonna be drafting this coming weekend on Friday. We're gonna be drafting in the New York City live auction. So if you happen to be in the area and you're not drafting and you want to watch us live in person and in action, come on down to the Stewart Hotel and we'll be there. Yeah, come say us. It's the nine o'clock uh, auction, so that'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to uh, taking it down with you, Uvain. Bunch of good people in the league, so it always is a challenge. Uh, And we'll be back with a regular episode the following week uh, to coincide with opening day. So really excited. Uh, Once again, thank you so much to all the guests who have appeared on the show this preseason. And thank you very much to Ruvain. And from all of us here at Beat the Shift, have a great rest of your draft season. Enjoy the regular season. And we'll see you next time on the Beat the Shift podcast. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.